We are in the middle of a new series uh, talking about praying big prayers. The goal of this series is for us to learn to start presenting to God our big dreams and not just our get-by requests. How many times do you pray and you actually feel like you're just asking God for the bare minimum? Well, I think that's what we do most of the time. We just ask God for the very bare minimum, what I need to get by when in actual fact, God is saying to us, we need to bring our big dreams to Him. Amen? Every one of us here has a big dream. Every one of us has a plan. Every one of us has something that we need to happen in order for our dreams to come to pass. Well, you know what? Instead of just maybe just dreaming them all the time, give them to God. Amen? Present your big dreams to God. No dream that you have is too big for God. Amen? Every one of us, we need to start praying big prayers. Believe in God for the bigger things. And I know that, I, I know, I know, I know the way you're feeling. I know you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself this morning, well, you know what, the big dream that I have, if I pray that, it feels a little bit selfish, doesn't it? <clears throat> it feels a little bit selfish when I'm going to God and I'm asking God for that big dream. You know that, you know that big dream. So therefore, we feel selfish and therefore we don't bring our big dream to God because we feel a little bit hypocritical, don't we? We feel if I bring that big dream to God, well, you know, why should God answer my big dream? Because, you know, I make mistakes, I do things wrong, I'm not... God doesn't care about that, amen? God doesn't care about your mistakes. God doesn't care about the things that you've done wrong in the past or, or the things you've done wrong yesterday. God is saying, come on, give me your biggest dream, your best dream, amen? God is well able for it, Amen? You don't just tap the ball at God, you hit it hard at Him, amen? Because He's well able for your big dreams. And it's, yeah, you know, we don't deserve it. Get over it, amen? Just get over it. We don't deserve it. We'll never deserve it. And God knows that. That doesn't stop God from saying to us, still, bring me your big dreams, amen? Give me your big dreams. Yeah, you don't deserve it, but God is not a God who rewards us on our whether we deserve it factor or not. Amen? That's the great thing about God. He says, bring me your dreams. Give me your dreams. Show me your dreams. And he'll take care of your dreams. Amen? Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, it says there, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, this right after telling his followers, don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about drink. Don't worry about clothing. Don't, wor don't worry about... Jesus, Jesus said, don't worry about stuff, he said. You see, most of us spend a lot of time worrying about stuff, don't we? I mean, if I was to ask any of you here this morning, you know, what kind of stuff have you got on, going on in your life at the moment? And, and I, I would say every one of us would have a list of stuff that we worry about. Stuff that keeps us up at night. Stuff that we're worrying about tomorrow, next week, next year. We're worrying about our future. We're worrying about our retirement. We're worrying about what we're going to do. We're worrying about the decisions we're going to make. We're, we're worried. We worry about stuff, don't we? But Jesus said in verse 30 of that same chapter, he says, For all of these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows the things that you need. God knows the things that you need. Newsflash. Amen. 
Now, one thing that you need in your life is news to God. He knows the things you need. Amen. And God says, the people of the world worry about the things, the needs. They worry about that sort of stuff. They worry about all of the things that, the things that they need, the things they need for next week. The... Jesus said, you don't be like the world. You're my children. So you're not meant to be like the world. God knows everything that you need. Amen. And he said that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. We are to put God first. Amen. Put God first in all of your worries. Put God first in all of your concerns, all of your anxieties. Put God first, he said. And he said, all of the things that you need will be added to you anyway, or despite yourself. God says, you put him first, and I'll take care of your needs. Amen? Church, stop worrying about stuff. Stop worrying about your lacks. Stop worrying about the things that you need to happen. Stop, stop worrying about stuff. Give it to God. He'll take care of it. Amen? Amen? Jesus is saying to us today, don't stress about things. I'll take care of everything that you are ever going to need. Jesus said that if God is your Father, then He will give you the things that you need. Simple as that. I think we make the Bible very complicated, don't we? I think we add stuff in there that's not actually in there ourselves. We add, we, we're adding to the Bible the whole time because God makes it very plain and very clear for us. If you read the Word of God, it's all there. All the worries, the stresses, and the anxieties, and all that sort of stuff, is just stuff we've added in there. Amen? God knows what we need and it is the father's good pleasure to give everything to you that you need it makes god happy to provide for you you know that don't you it makes god happy to provide for you it puts a smile if there's not already a smile which i'm sure there is already on god's face but it would put a smile on god's face if you brought god your big dream and asked him for the stuff that you need because it the word of god says it gives god Good pleasure to give you the things you need. Amen. Puts a smile on his face. Makes God happy. I know he's happy all the time, but look at in our terms, it makes him happy to provide for us. Right there at the very start of the book of Luke, Jesus said to his followers, and he said to you and I today, in verse 37, he says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now I could spend the next 30 minutes talking to you about that scripture there. Breaking it down word for word, what the Strong's Concordance says about it, what, what Matthew Henry's Bible Dictionary says about it, but I won't because I'm not going to underestimate your intelligence. I think you can all understand when it says that with God, nothing will be impossible means. What does it mean? It means that with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? You get that? You get it? You understand that? You're with me? That with God, nothing will be impossible. We serve a God that nothing is impossible for. Amen? Not enough amens there. We serve a God that nothing is impossible for. Amen. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Anybody remember one of these? I had one of these when I was a chap. I'm still a chap. I had one of these 
when I was a few years younger than I am today. And I spent hours, weeks, months on these things. I had it for years on this thing. Spinning it around, spinning it this way, spinning it that way, and one side is no problem. Not a problem. Simple. I got two sides several times. Two sides, no bother. Grand. One time, now it's one time, one time. I got three sides one time. Can anybody beat three sides in a Rubik's Cube? Ooh. Carlos. Ooh. I have never, ever, ever finished a Rubik's Cube. Never. And I had it for years. Never. One, two, three sides. Yep, no problem. After that, finished. Now I know I could go onto YouTube and I could find out on YouTube, you know, what's the easiest and best way to finish a Rubik's Cube. And I know I could do it then, but I'm trying to use this, this thing here, you know, trying to work it out myself. Can't. For me, Rubik's Cube is impossible. I have a cousin who's able to do a Rubik's Cube in less than a minute. Less than a minute, he's able to do a Rubik's Cube. It's not impossible for him, but it is impossible for me. I know a few others here this morning is able to do it as well. Praise God, you can just show me afterwards. <laughs> because, I, you know what I used to do? I used to peel the stickers off. And then when the sticker, the sticker used to go back on again, I used to actually just take the, you know, the way you take, take the knuckle out? <laughs> Praise God. With me, it was impossible. With other people, it's possible. The point I'm trying to get here, get to the point then. The point is, some things that you feel are impossible for you, in actual fact, you've built a doctrine around how it is impossible for you. And in actual fact, you've decided if I can't do it, nobody can do it. It's possible for God, amen? With these things are impossible for you, but are possible for God, amen? Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, he looked at them and he said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, some things, most things. Everything that I can do, all things are possible. What you find impossible, what the doctors find impossible, what the scientists find impossible, is possible for God. Amen? Listen, I don't know about you, but I love astronomy. The right stuff. About the stars and stuff like that. I do love astronomy. And I was very excited a number of years ago when they put up the new James Webb telescope. I was really excited because I love that sort of stuff. I learned during the week that they have, it's all fully working and operational now, and I learned during the week that they have now used the telescope to peer the furthest into our universe as they ever have. I mean, they've gone past the furthest point of they thought that where, you know, they, they call it the Big Bang, the Big Bang, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as, as Christians are concerned, is when God opened his mouth, amen, and spoke the universes into, into existence. But they've gone further past where they thought it were, was, and they say that they have now spotted a galaxy that's something like 50 billion years old, and this galaxy is so huge and it's so massive, and, and with light spectrum and all, they're able to work things out, and they're able to say, now that everything that we knew about science now has changed. And I'm like, ah, there you go. 
you thought that the things that you think are now possible were impossible before these images. I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what? These, the things that we think are impossible are always moving. Amen? Many years ago, we thought it was impossible for to fly. We thought it was impossible for man to climb the highest mountains. We can do them now. Uh, what I'm trying to say is our impossible today is, is possible today for God. Amen? There's nothing that is impossible for God. We serve an unlimited, powerful God, and the only limits that God has are the limits that we place on Him. Amen. See, scientists thought that the universe was whatever age, old, whatever it is, but this new imaging that they've seen now is, is placing it even further back. Church, we serve the God that spoke the universes into existence. Amen? What could be too difficult for him? Nothing. Amen? Nothing. We need to take the limits that we have placed on our God off of him. Amen? We ought to take him off. Let him loose. Amen? He is so capable of doing so much more in our lives. But we limit him to what we feel is possible for ourselves. I mean, if I was to go around saying, you know what? That's as much as I can do on a Rubik's Cube. It's impossible for anyone else to do it. And then Carlos was to come up to me and say, here, give it to me, I'll show you. And I would say, no. No. And that's what we're doing when we read the Word of God and we see God says nothing is impossible to Him when we're saying that, well, you know what? My experience says something different. We're saying, no, can't touch that, God. Can't touch that. Just because it's impossible for us doesn't mean it's impossible to God. But here's what we're doing. John chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Jesus said himself, he said, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. You know why we don't have it? Because we're not asking him. You know why we're not asking him? We don't believe him. Simple as that. We're not asking God for the stuff that he said he could do for us because Really, deep down in this, we haven't got to a place where we actually believe it or not. Amen. Because if we believed it, we would be asking Him for it. Amen. Jesus said, up until now, you have asked me for nothing. Church, we need to start asking. We spend all of our time worrying about our problems, worrying about our needs, sleepless nights tossing and turning, consumed by our problems. And Jesus said, you don't have the answer for these problems because you have not asked me. We are limited in what God can do for us because we are not asking him. Amen? Then Jesus made it really simple for us because compared to him, we are simple. He said, if you want your peace back, if you want your sleep back, if you want your joy back, if you want your needs met, he just said, ask. Ask him. He said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Contrary to a lot of popular religious beliefs, God wants you happy. Amen. Amen. The reason churches all across the world are not full today is because a lot of people outside of the church don't believe God wants them happy. Don't believe God wants them healed. Don't believe that God wants to provide firm. Amen. Because if they believe that, churches will be full. To overflow. Amen? Contrary to proper belief, God wants you happy. 
Amen. Not miserable, not broke, not sick. God wants you happy. The world is full of people who've rejected Christianity because they believe that most Christians are miserable and the rest are just mad. They believe Christianity is a religion of sorrow. But church, Jesus said that he wants his followers to be happy. Amen? The Passion Translation uh, says it this way. It says, until now you have not been bold enough to ask the Father for a simple thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking him. And you can be sure that you will receive what you ask for, that your joy may have no limits. God wants to provide for you so much that your joy will be limitless. Amen? Anybody bold enough to start asking God for the things that they need of? Amen? We need to ask him. Amen? We need to start asking God. We need to start believing in the things that the cross purchased. A few weeks ago we celebrated Easter, what Jesus done for us on the cross. And, and thank God for redemption, thank God for salvation, but we need to start believing what the cross actually purchased for us. It didn't just purchase redemption. Praise God for it. But the cross purchased so much more, amen? Let's not leave the things that the cross purchased for us just there. Let's believe God for him. Let's trust God for everything that he said. Jesus, as he said on the cross, he said, it is finished. What did he mean that for? Yes, he meant that the redemption price has been paid, but he meant I've paid the price for so much more. Amen. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for redemption. But thank God for everything else that Jesus came to provide us access to. Amen? When sin entered into the world, what did God do? Put Adam and Eve out of the garden. What was the garden there for? The garden was there to provide everything that Adam and Eve had ever had need of. It was all there in the garden. So when God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, he restricted their access to God. Amen? But when Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross for us, he opened up access to God again. Now we had full access to God again. We had full access to everything that God provided for us again. He threw open the barren doors and he said, listen, whatever you need, ask me for it. Ask me for it. We have not because we are not asking for it. Amen? Jesus said, it is finished. It has all been paid for. Philippians 4.19, what does it say? You all know it. It says, my God shall supply all of my needs, your needs, according to what? His riches and glory. Can you see these things? Yeah? Is the light going off? That God wants to provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory? Amen? God wants to provide. He's not, he's not a stingy God. He's not a God that's keeping it all to himself. He's not, a, he's not a God that's mean. Told you before, we had a guy in work who would open sweets in his pocket. Slip him into his mouth like that. Chew on him, you know. We used to say he'd peel an orange in his pocket. He was mean. Didn't share his sweets. Amen? I think we treat God like that sometimes. We treat God like someone that keeps all the breakthroughs to himself. Keeps all the healing to himself. 
keeps all the provision to himself. God's not like that, amen? God says, I want to provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. That's what he's saying. I want to provide. And I've already made provision for you. Come and ask me for it. Amen? We've got to ask him for it. God has provided it. Amen? God is standing over his word. You know that? He stands over his word. Jeremiah 1.12 tells us. He stands over his word to make sure that his word is performed. But we have to come to God in faith. Amen? If you don't believe, then you don't have access. Simple as that. We've tied God's hands by our unbelief. Amen? James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covenant, you, sorry, you, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. We tie God's hands when we do not ask, when we do not believe, and when we ask out of wrong motives. Church, we've got to ask. Amen? Got to ask. Need to ask God for the things He said He'd provide. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We have to have faith and believe that if God said He'd do it, then He will do it. Amen? When we pray and believe and trust God for any one of His numerous promises that He gave us in His Word, we've got to pray and believe that we will see the thing that we prayed and believed God for. We've got to ask with faith. Amen? Like your life depended on it. Ask God. Believe God. Trust God. Have faith in God. Amen? And you will receive. Amen? Trust God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can we believe for the things that we haven't got? Just like, like we believe in the things that we have got. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. We've got to put faith into believing God that, Lord, you said it, I don't know how, but I believe you will. Amen? I don't know how, but I believe that you will. You know, I love going into shops when I need stuff. Grabbing my basket or trolley and going around that shop, putting everything I need into the basket, walking up to the till, checking out, putting it into the car, going home with everything that I needed. We all do that, don't we? Everyone loves going into the shop with your list, getting everything on the list. It's satisfying. Amen? And when you see this thing on the shelf in the shop, you know it's there. You can just put it into your basket. And I, I hate when I go into the shop with stuff on my list and not be able to get it. But thank God, when we go to the shop now, we can just pick out whatever we want, put it into our basket, and off we go. Happy days. It used to always be like that. Anybody remember when you used to be able to go into a shop and there was a counter between you and all the goods? Anybody remember that? I'm not that old. The shop was old, not me. All right? We used to have a local shop that you went into and you got as far as the counter. And everything that you might want was there on the shelves. 
and you had to ask the shopkeeper for the stuff. So if you wanted a, 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 if you wanted a, a bag of tea, you had to ask him, can I have a bag of tea? Are you going with your list and you say, can I have a carton of milk? You go in with your list, can you say, you say can I have uh, chocolate biscuits or whatever? You've seen on the shelf, he go and he pick it for you and he give it to you. Now, oftentimes you go into the shop and what you'd want wouldn't be there on the shelf. So you'd, you'd see the shelf where the chocolate biscuits would be, it'd be empty and, you, and you'd have to ask the shopkeeper, you know, do you have chocolate biscuits? You know, you know you can't see them on the shelf, and, and now you're asking, do you, do, you, do you maybe have it, maybe in the back? But now you're taking a risk. You don't know whether he has it or not. And I think that's how we've been approaching God for the longest time. We've been going into God's storehouse, and we've been asking God for things that we're not sure that whether he has it or not. We're not sure whether he's provided or not. We're going to God and we're asking God for healing. And in our hearts, we're not 100% sure whether God has provided healing or not. We're asking God for breakthroughs. And really, in our hearts, we're not sure whether God has provided the breakthrough or not. We're asking God to provide for us provision. And really, in our hearts, we're not convinced that God has provided healing for us. Provision for us. The breakthrough for us. We need to stop treating God like the shop. Amen? Amen? And we need to start treating God as the God who says, I've thrown open the doors. Every promise that I've given you in my word, I have it. I'm not going to run out. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to go to God and say, you know, God, I wonder maybe do you have some left over? God has it. Amen? He's got it in abundance. Amen? He's not going to run out. He's not going to run short. It's not going to expire. Amen. Praise God. It's not damaged. Glory to God. Anybody ever buy a packet of eggs, bring them home, there's a couple of broken ones in it already? That doesn't happen with God. Amen. Amen. He's never going to run out. He's never going to spoil. He's got it. Amen. We need to ask Him for it and trust Him in it. Amen. Remember John 4, 2? You do not have because you do not ask God. It's not that God lacks in any way. It's not that God is on a budget. It's not that God has put somebody else before you and says, ah, well, you know, I've given it to them. Don't wear me out. God has it. Amen? He's not going to run out. Just because he healed that person over there doesn't mean that he won't do it for you. He'd do it for you too, amen? He provided for you. He provided for them. He will provide, amen? God is not limited, amen? We do not serve a limited God. He's not got limited supply. He's not waiting for the next delivery to come. He's already got it. He's already said yes, amen? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone, are you and everyone? I'm an everyone. Are you and everyone? It says, For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who knocks, it will be opened. For everyone who seeks, will find. God wants to provide, amen? Amen? For everyone, regardless of whether you're good or maybe you've done something that you've regretted doing, God will still provide, amen? 
Everyone. It says in verse 9, What man of you among you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? You wouldn't do that, would you? If your child came up to you and said, you know, I want some bread, you'd give him bread. Give him all the bread you could. Give him the whole loaf. Amen? So work away. Just put your dish in the sink after you've finished and wipe down the counter. If your child asked you for meat, you wouldn't, you wouldn't give him a nettle. Amen? You wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it. So why would we think that God's standard of looking after His, His children is any lower than our standard? Amen? We think sometimes that, you know what, um, I, I, I'm better than God in our own minds because if my child asks me for bread, they have the whole lot. If they ask me for meat, I give them the whole packet. But when we have a need and we go to God, we're, we're, we're kind of like, God, maybe please, if you can, if you have time, if I've found favor in your eyes. God's not like that, amen? God is so much better than us. It says that if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? We've got to ask, amen? In, in comparison to God, I have no problem saying, I'm the most evil person in the world in comparison to God, amen? I think I'm nice, nice enough. But in comparison to God, I am evil, amen? But if any of my girls came and asked me for anything, I would give them anything. I wouldn't withhold anything from them, nor neither would you with yours. But in comparison to God, our goodness is evil. How much more does God want to do for you, his children, for those who ask him? Amen? Praise God. God will do even more to bless and provide for his children, even more than we could ever dream or imagine. God would do it. Asa was the fifth king of the house of David, and he was generally considered to be a good and a righteous king. But during his reign, he developed a condition in his feet. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 12, it says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his melee was severe, yet his disease he did not see, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Now praise God for doctors. Praise God for nurses, those who work in the medical field. Thank God for them. But in a condition, don't let the only people that you consult be the doctors. Amen? Asa was a godly king. Godly king. There wasn't a whole lot of them around in those days if you read through Chronicles and the, and, and the book of Kings. But Asa was a godly king, but in his condition, when he got a condition in his feet, he didn't bring it to God. He brought it to the doctors. Amen? Church, we know we serve Jehovah Rapha, our God who heals. Amen? So we need to be asking him for healing. We need to be asking and trusting him, not only for healing, but for health. Amen? Because a lot of times we feel great, don't we? 
And when we feel great, we should be going to God and saying, Lord, I thank you for my health. Thank you that I'm in good health, Lord. I trust you, Lord, that you will keep me in good health. Long life, Lord, you will give me because, Lord God, I am your son. I am your daughter. And you told me that I was to ask you for these things and you will give them to me. Church, never forget who you belong to. Amen. Never forget who you belong to. You belong to the one who created it all and who owns it all. Amen? And the enemy, that liar in your ear, he's just a squatter here. Amen? Oh, he wants everyone to believe that he's in control. He wants everyone to believe that this is his art, that, that we're under his dominion. He's a squatter. He's a squatter and a liar. He's a cheater. He's a thief. Amen? We need to realize that. We need to recognize that. We need to remember who owns us. Amen? We are owned by the King of Kings. Amen? God owns you. You are His daughter. His son. Amen? And we got to trust Him. He's in heaven. If you could picture it, God is in heaven and He is saying, come and ask me. Come and ask me. Pray your biggest prayers. Dream your biggest dreams. Just come and ask me. Because it puts a smile on God's face. It makes God happy. Amen? 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children. And I will overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Church, don't settle for the enemy's scraps when you're seated at the king's table. Oh, don't settle for the enemy's scraps seated at the king's table. I know many of you would have seen on the news yesterday or watched it live, it's up to yourself, the coronation of, of King Charles. And I can tell you after that, they had a feast. They had a feast after that. And all of the family that would have been invited. And Prince William would have been invited to that feast. I know Prince William would have been sitting there at the top table of that feast. They brought out the food and set it before everyone on that table. I guarantee you that if they had have set before Prince William scraps out of McDonald's bin or KFC's bin, he wouldn't have sat there and just ate it quietly. If they had a placed on a paper plate, used paper plate at that, in front of Prince William, sitting at the king's table, scraps from KFC, I guarantee you William would have been on his feet and he would, he would have said to him straight, he said, take that away from me. That's not my portion. Don't you know who I am? I am a son of the king. But church, we have been sitting at the king's table for years, allowing the enemy to serve up scraps for us. We've been settling for the enemy's scraps, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, We've been sitting at the king's table allowing the enemy to feed his scraps up to us. It's time that we were to stand up, church, in front of the enemy and say, take that stuff away from me. I am a son. I am a daughter of the king. And I will not feast on your scraps. Amen? We need to recognize and realize who we are and recognize that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. You are a child of the Most High God. And we need to stop settling 
for the enemy's scraps. Amen? Praise God. William wouldn't settle for it, and we shouldn't settle for it either. Amen? God wants to provide for you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to restore you. He wants to lead you. He wants to protect and comfort you. He wants to provide for you, not conditionally, but unconditionally. We just need to trust God with our big prayers and requests. Amen?